The Reverend Dr. Barbara Holmes, President Emerita of United Seminary of the Twin Cities is a theologian and spiritual teacher whose work I appreciate. So when she discusses the cross or crucifixion, I pay attention. 12 years ago, she closed a lecture with these words, and this is a long quote, and this could actually be the sermon, but this is just a very long quote, so settle in. Quote, Mary is at the foot of the cross. Her son, her only son, about to be gone. She's not saying anything. She's just moaning. The men have left. The women are standing. Jesus looks down and as the oldest son knows what he has to do. He says, mommy, look here. This is John. This is your new son. John, that's mama. Get her out of here. But Mary looks at John and says, what if he says something else? I can't go. What if he says, I love you and I'm not here to hear it? Dr. Holmes goes on to say, and then she hears it. She hears the prayer that she taught him and she cannot believe her ears. Jesus says, into your hands I commit my spirit. The phrase comes from Psalm 31. Tradition says that this psalm was taught to Hebrew children as a bedtime prayer. Not unlike the prayer my mother taught me at a very young age. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Into your hands I commit my spirit, for you have redeemed me, O Lord, O God of truth. Dr. Holmes concludes by saying this, Mary can't believe it. She's inches from his nailed feet and she's hearing the bedtime prayer she taught him. She's beginning to understand. The prayer was for protection, for sleep, not death. He said it every night and woke up every morning. Jesus is saying, go with John, mama. I love you. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy will come on resurrection morning. I'm gonna get up just like I did every morning after a good night's sleep. Now Mary can go, for Jesus is in God's care." End quote. In recent weeks, Transcripts have been released from the final moments of Elijah McLean's and George Floyd's lives. Aside from the constant pleas for mercy and dignity, I imagine the words of Psalm 86 being on their lips. Great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the nethermost pit. See, George Floyd had recently recovered from COVID-19. Elijah McLean had earned a GED and then became a practicing massage therapist in Inglewood, not very far from this cathedral. You have delivered me from the nethermost pit, and yet here I am, once again, on the edge of life. Throughout the New Testament, the Psalms act as bursts of music when words fail, not unlike actors bursting into song in a musical. The work of poetry begins 
when prose has run out. The music on Jesus' lips and the lips of Elijah McLean and George Floyd reflect a connection between ancient Roman crucifixion and contemporary state-sanctioned violence against black people. The psalmody, the hymnody, the music on these three pairs of lips collapse into one another, making Calvary no different than an intersection in Minneapolis and a residential street in Aurora. Jesus' social location as an illiterate Afro-Asiatic Jew living on land occupied by the Roman Empire can play a significant role in the ways in which we imagine not only the incarnation, but present day articulations of God's preference for Earth's most marginalized peoples. In Jesus, God takes on flesh in a very specific fashion. Jesus is not some generic, one-size-fits-all deity mass-produced in Palo Alto. In Jesus, God comes near to us as a specific person who spoke a specific language, raised by specific people in a specific time, who enjoyed specific foods and laughed at specific jokes and observed specific practices and wore specific sandals on specific dusty roads. When Jesus is ripped, from his socioeconomic context, we are left with, in the words of theologian Dorothy Sowell, quote, a God without justice, a Jesus without the cross, an Easter without a cross, a metaphysical Easter bunny in front of the beautiful blue light of the television screen, a miracle weapon in the service of the mighty, end quote. When Jesus' social location, his impoverishment, his Jewishness, his obscurity is emphasized, it becomes difficult to dismiss those contemporary individuals and communities who suffer the way Jesus suffered. It also becomes more difficult to understand Jesus' suffering as something that happened instead of something that happens as the connections between crucifixion, non-citizenship, displacement, and imperial violence in times past and present come into starker relief. Johann Baptist Metz, the post-Holocaust German theologian, called these connections the dangerous memory of Jesus Christ. According to Metz, dangerous memory is seeing in Christ's passion, death, and resurrection, liberation not just for individual souls or humanity as a whole, but for the whole creation. In short, my freedom is grounded in your freedom, and not just an over-spiritualized freedom, but a material, tangible freedom. Dangerous memory is witnessing Jesus' crucifixion, a form of execution reserved for non-citizens of the Roman Empire. Notice that St. Paul, a Roman citizen, is beheaded, while Jesus and St. Peter, non-citizens, are crucified. 
and resolving. Once we witness Jesus' crucifixion, we resolve that no one else will ever die by crucifixion, lynching, or state-sanctioned violence again. The death Jesus dies is a death no one, no one should ever suffer, including Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, Ayanna Stanley Jones, and Elijah McClain. As long as black people make up what Dr. Kelly Brown Douglas calls a crucified class, Jesus remains on the cross, suffering in solidarity with crucified peoples all over the world. And to that, the dangerous memory of Jesus Christ says, enough is enough. But dangerous memory does not end with death. No, dangerous memory involves resurrection too. The shocking thing about resurrection is not that God raised Jesus from the dead. God had done that numerous times before throughout the Hebrew Bible. The surprise of Jesus' resurrection is who God chooses to raise from the dead. An illiterate Afro-Asiatic Jew living in an unoccupied Roman territory, Jesus Mary's baby taken as a refugee to Egypt. Jesus, who said peacemakers, the incarcerated, and the poor are the blessed ones. Jesus, who not only fed the hungry, but was himself hungry. Jesus, who not only announced good news to the poor, but was himself good news to the poor. Jesus, who was named for a revolutionary among his people, who helped lead them out of enslavement to tyrants. Jesus. It is this Jesus who cries out from the cross, into your hands I commit my spirit. Words his mother taught him as a bedtime prayer because he's ready for a good night's rest, not permanent death. This memory is dangerous. Because those who seem to have lost in the short term are triumphant in God's future. With Jesus, they are the first fruits of those who have died, the ones who rest in borrowed tombs, borrowed because they aren't forever. Their purpose will soon come to an end. And the periods of white supremacy and all other forms of oppression will become the commas of God's redemptive history. Amen.